are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. You're joined by myself, Lawson. You're joined by Monica. We are here in our new studio. It is 8.04 a.m. It is sunny outside, and we are going to have our next quiz. Yes, our, is it uh, one, two, where are we actually talking about? Our third one? Okay. Fourth. Fourth. Okay. Excuse me, my... I've got the hiccups. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. What condition did God give Moses before he could approach this burning bush? What condition did God give Moses before he could approach the burning bush? Absolutely. 0491-064-669 is the number to text if you know the answer to that one and you text in. Then you will go in the draw for our quiz this week, which is for the amazing books. Do you want to give that to us, Monica? Yeah, it is 13 Weeks to Joy by Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. <clears throat> it's a great uh, book that's broken down into uh, week chapters. And you can go through, and if you've experienced suffering, um, or you know, or love people who have suffered, uh, this is a great book to go um, to go through and learn about how God uh, can provide you with happiness, and He can, He is the reason you can rejoice. So, yeah, thirteen weeks of joy: how to hold the happiness God gives by Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. Absolutely, hey zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We've already got correct answers. Coming through, but again, what condition did God give Moses before he could approach the burning bush? You guys have been quiet this morning. Uh, we've been answering the quiz correctly, but not sending in a lot of thoughts or text messages. I think they're just, they're just pent up. Well, today is I the think new ev- Monday. Everyone's recovering from the long weekend. Absolutely. They're, they're recovering from gremlin mode, as I call it. That's that's the... Well, that was my long weekend. Maybe I, you like... Mine was nothing like... You, I spent the you whole... You left the house and did amazing frolicking. I didn't leave the house frolicking. once. Oh, okay. <laughs> I spent the whole long weekend... So you are in gremlin crafting. mode. Crafting. <laughs> no, I was not in gremlin mode. I was like... That's in... exactly what gremlin mode is, when you don't leave the house. Oh, oh, is it? I'm yeah. Like, I'm so confused with gremlin mode means. Okay, Grem, gremlin. No, well, that's something that I say about my studies. This is, you know, there's some, there's some young. But I wasn't working slang. hard. I was having a great time. Oh, okay. I was. I, I taught myself how to quilt over the weekend. So <laughs> it's not very hard. <laughs> I was like dialectical encounter definition. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at here. Hmm, let's like sew some squares together. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Hey, we do have one text message though from Braid. Justin knows where the best place to go is. And yes, Lawson, um, it is an international travel because he is leaving the West Island to go to the main islands. (laughs) So he's saying that essentially Australia is the West Island of New Zealand. Yeah, we're we're like the (laughs) offcuts. Oh, that makes me they laugh. Had to, they had to trim the fat to get the good Dude, cut. Dude. New Zealand is a good cut. How, like, I don't think that there is a cut of meat in the whole world. Not that I would really know because I'm vegan. But I don't think there's a cut of meat in the whole world where you'd have to cut off that much fat. Well, and, and, hey, look, you know, the best the the best beef from what I'm told. What, what's the best beef? Like Wagyu or something? It's got, something like, fat in it. Yeah. But regardless, don't eat meat. Just live your yeah. best life. <laughs> That's my carbon offset. So. I, I actually knew. As soon as Los, um, as soon as um, Justin said that he was flying to New Zealand, I was like, hundred percent, we're going to be hearing from Brayden. <laughs> yeah, but the pride, the pride to call Australia the West Island of New Zealand, I laugh, I chuckle, I quite like it. Oh, that's so. Hey, funny. do you know how like Australians like to try and impose their whole drop bear myth upon foreigners? What myth? Oh, sorry, that's, my bad. That's not a myth. We try to educate tourists, <laughs> educate about, tourists the about the dangers of drop air and your so. need to put a ring of Colgate toothpaste around your neck so that they don't fall <laughs> on you and eat things? your eyes and 
you know, the the need to, you know, take off your shoes and socks and put them on your hands so that you can defend yourself. Those are some really gentle ones. I've heard much more horrible ways to dissuade drop bears from eating you. Okay. (laughs) But my friends and I decided we're going to start a new, like, myth that Australians can sort of tell people. And we decided that we would tell tourists whenever we had the opportunity that it's not called New Zealand. It's the New Zealand. (laughs) Which was like the New Zealand. So it's just it's a really simple change, but just enough to drive the Kiwis crazy to have like tourists going. Like oh, the I've been like, exactly. Like, I've been to the New Zealand. That is so funny. <laughs> it's like a grain of sand. Like so irritating. That is yeah. so fun. There are so many people I can do that to. I know. Right? Oh, that I am thinking about like. And you can explain it like you know it's not just called New Zealand. It's it's the New Zealand. So the, the there New is a Zealand. the there and like because you, Old Zealand obviously yeah, is in the UK the old New somewhere. Zealand isn't, yeah, yeah. So and then you can say you know Kiwis are really friendly people and they don't want to correct you, but we just want to let you know it is actually the New the Zealand. New Zealand. In the same way it is the that Netherlands. Is so funny. <laughs> that is. So- <laughs> I am. Uh, because they're going to be like, oh yeah, of course no one would correct me because it's just a small mistake. So, but I'll do it, I'll take it upon myself to say it properly from oh, now. I'm, <laughs> I'm going running tonight with a bunch of internationals. <laughs> I'm so excited, <laughs> Brayden. What do you think? Oh, he sent a text message. I think I like that one implies it's the one and only. Okay, so he's on. My, he's, he's just on so New Zealand. He's, he's so polite. That's so funny. Oh, it's actually the New Zealand. Yeah. Have you been to the New Zealand before? That is hilarious. You're, <laughs> You're listening welcome. to The Breakfast Show, where we are coming up with all kinds of ways to perform tomfoolery and trickery <laughs> this morning. Uh, we're also, we're also going to get into the Bible. Uh, and we, we are going to read all about the deadly wound. Ooh la la. So last week, so we our overall study, we've been doing the three cosmic messages. So the messages that God has for the end of time. Last week, we're looking at the seal of God and the mark of the beast. And essentially the conclusion that we came to is that on one side, you've got the seal of God. And what is the seal of God? Well, the seal of God is essentially a, a marker that God uses to represent his end-time people. Um, Like, that people will see that and say, oh, hey, that person is a follower of God. Um, It is a... It reflects that, okay, this person is truly following God. And by person, I mean, you know, because there is obviously a differing opinion, and that's the mark of the beast. We'll get to that in a little bit. But from the perspective of heaven, from the perspective of judgment, obviously salvation comes from repentance. But the litmus test clearly shown in the Bible of salvation and repentance is good works. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Having a living faith in Christ, having the faith of Jesus, is one that produces good works. And those good works are, you know, keeping the law of God, you know, being following him, doing his out, living out his will on this mm, earth, mm. Um, that is a reflection of the state of our salvation. Now, uh, if we look on the other hand, the mark of the beast, it would be then a disobedience to God's will, a disobedience to God's law, a disobedience to God's word. And so you have one group of people, and that is those who are following Jesus. And in the context of the book of Revelation, they're called the 144,000. We read about them, start of Revelation 14. The 144,000 are sealed by God. And the limits test is that they follow out his will in a very specific way, which we are going to be getting to in this Bible study a little bit later this week. For those who 
have the mark of the beast, though their claim might be to follow God, and we know that the institution that sets up the mark of the beast, we know that it is an institution that is trying to portray itself as Christian. We talked about yesterday, oh, last week, how it blasphemes. Mm -hmm. So it puts itself in the place of God and it claims to have the ability to forgive sins. Though it does this, um, it leads people to disregard, disobey God and to not follow God, to not do his will, to not produce his works. Now, this is the situation that we're in. Now, what do we apply that to? That's the big question here. Which entities do we apply this to? What is the beast? What is its mark? Yes, it is some group of people. Which group of people? Oh, yes, it will lead people to disobey and disrespect God and go away from him. In what way? These are the big questions that we're going to be asking and answering throughout this week. And as you said before in the show earlier... Best way to find that stuff out is to let the Bible answer it for you. Absolutely. So let's begin by reading a number of verses. Do you want to go to Revelation chapter thirteen? Uh, and so, Monica, you're going to be you're going to be we're going to be <laughs> racing through some verses here. You're going to be my point man on this one. So, mm-hmm. Revelation chapter thirteen. Do you want to read for us verse five? And he who was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given great authority to continue for forty two months. Now, Revelation chapter twelve. And I want you to read verse 6, and I want you to read verse 14 as well. Uh, 6 and 14 say, Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Verse 14 says, But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. Absolutely. So we see a bunch of these periods of time given in the book of Revelation that is equal to 1,260 days, 42 months, three and a half years, and it all has to do with the reigning power of this, the reigning period of this beast. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Stumbling on my words a little bit there. The reigning period of this power. So it's like, okay, it will be reigning for this long. Now, 1,260 days, three and a half years. Um, does that sound like a long period of time? Not really. Yeah, it's, well, it's shorter than my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, you're right, yeah. Yet it, we see when we look at the signs that are given in regard to this power, it says it will be this great, uh, amazing power that will rule, you know, all the way back in the time of, uh, you know, the Roman Empire, yet will be reigning today. Like, wait, wait how, does, how does that happen if it's only three and a half years? What kind of rulership is going on here? This period of time, this 1,260-day period, the first instance we're given of this is actually in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. Daniel 7 and verse 25, if you can read that for us, Mon. This is the first instance in which we see this amount of time regarding the ruling you know, time of this power of the Antichrist or this this beast of revelation that enforces the mark of the beast here. Do you want to read that for us? He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. Absolutely. So we see this all the way back now. Now, in this part of the Bible, 
It is called a time, times, and half a time. Now, we know from the Bible that when it's referring to the period of a year, it calls it a time. We can see that in the book of Daniel itself. Daniel chapter 4, it says that seven times passed over Nebuchadnezzar while he was crazy and acting like a beast. And, of course, we have that story where Nebuchadnezzar loses his marbles um, as a result of disobedience to God. And for seven years, he's like running around in a field and acting like a beast and going all wild and, and crazy and whatnot. And then he comes out of that period of time. It's like, oh, yep, seven times have passed over you. You're ready now to be king again. So a time is one year. Then it says times, and it's an unspecified plural. So the best, um, well, assumption that we can make, but we see this often in Hebrew literature, is that it's two years. If it was any more than two years and it was a plural, then it would say three times or four times or six times or 40 times or 100 times. But it just says times. So we go, okay, two years. One year plus two years, that's three years. And then half a time, that's three and a half years. Now, is that the ruling period of this power? We know that this power is coming out or emerging at the time of the Roman Empire as we see the rest of Daniel chapter 7, you know, basically go on and it says, oh, you have these four different beasts which represents nations, which we've talked about already in our Bible study. We have these four different beasts. They represent nations, and the beasts are Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then Rome. And then from Rome, it says that kingdom will divide into 10 different kingdoms. And we see that in 476 AD, the Western Roman Empire divided into the the, the Europe that we see today. Uh, but then it says that this antichrist power it rises up after this division into 10 but before three kingdoms are destroyed and we know that the last of those kingdoms uh, the ostrogoths was destroyed in four uh sorry 538 ad so we have this time period 476 to 538 ad i think the amazing thing about this passage is that it was written in like 540 bc yet it's saying oh this roman empire will come along and it will divide into 10 and we see from history that's exactly what 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 took place uh we know that those three kingdoms the heroli the ostrogoths and the vandals were destroyed by 538 Uh, so we know that this antichrist ruling power um was coming around this time between 476 and 538 we then receive this time period. And there's, there's a bunch of other information that we get from it, which we've already looked at. We've looked at the fact that it it's, um, speaks blasphemies. We looked at the fact that it you know, claims power and, and rulership over other nations. It persecutes God's people. It tries to t- change God's times and God's laws. Um, it portrays itself as a religious power as well. And I think the question to ask then is, okay, is there a power from the medieval period that claimed to be in the place of God was both a, you know, a religious power and a political power worked to persecute and kill lots of people. um, And ultimately attempted to change God's times and laws. Mm. And then we consider as well that the Bible, it's the Bible portrays this power as a small power or a little power with it's, it's a little nation with great power. The easiest way to solve this that I've found, and this is something that I do when I teach this chapter, is I get people to go to Google and I get them to write into Google. Do you want to do this for me right now? Yeah, Let's do yeah. this litmus test. Do you want to go to Google right now? Click, Opening up, click, yep. click new tab and write in smallest country on earth. Smallest country on earth. I already know what the answer is. So and click answer. 
I clicked okay, enter. enter. Yeah. And what is the smallest country on earth? Vatican City. Vatican City. <laughs> and then we consider the history, right? Mm-hmm. And we consider, okay, has the Vatican or, you know, the papacy, which is the people who run the Vatican, have they had great influence and power during their, their time, you know, oh. particularly medieval period and like, whatnot? Unmeasurable yeah. influence. Have they caused lots of death? Probably the most ever. Yeah, well, maybe not the most ever, no, but but, sure. but like a huge amount of death has been astronomical. Yeah, a huge amount of death. You know, if we look at inquisitions and wars and whatnot happening during the medieval period and all the way up to today, you know, religion was a huge factor, and there mm. very much the Vatican was willing wars to take place. I was talking to a person last night who was a very staunch atheist, and they make the claim, yeah. You know, uh, so many wars have been fought over Christianity, and I'm like, absolutely. Even the Bible said that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we see taking place. Um, do they put themselves in the place of God? Well, the the Pope, he wears a hat on that hat. It says, Vicari Die Philo, which means the vicar or the person in the place of Christ. Um, you know, you can read many quotes from the Bible where the Bible says, call no one father except God alone. Mm. And then the papacy is like, well, we occupy the place of God on earth. So it's okay to call us father. Um, do they speak blasphemies? You know, according to Catholic church tradition, you can only receive um, forgiveness of sin through the confessional and how that essentially takes place is you confess your sins to the priest and that priest is connected to the bishop. That bishop's connected to the cardinal, that cardinal, oh, the archbishop, the cardinal, that cardinal is then connected to the Pope. And, you know, our cardinal here for Australia was Cardinal Pell, who is you know dead now and obviously mired in controversy. Um, but it connects all the way up until the Pope, and then the Pope represents us to Christ. Now, I thought the Bible said that Jesus is our only mediator. Amen. Uh, but, you know, the Catholic Church and specifically the papacy says, oh, we are in the place of Christ in, in regards to forgiveness. Um, and you can only be forgiven if the Pope enables you to be forgiven. And that power extends to so far as to during periods of time, during medieval history, uh, the Pope had put whole countries into interdict, which meant that anyone who died in that country was lost. Oh, wow. And because of the, you know, political whims of the papacy, they were like, Oh, this country won't politically align with us. Therefore, they're they're an interdict now. Um, if we look at well, what's you know what's another side? Oh, blasphemy! You know, yep, the ability to forgive sins in the place of God. Attempt to change God, t- God's times and laws. This one is really simple. This is you know all about when you look at the Protestant Reformation and you look at um, you know view the the Catholic view on idolatry and whatnot. Actually, if you look up the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is their official release of um, church standards and, and documents, they have a different. Uh, Ten Commandments than the one that we have in the Bible. Really? Um, and I know this. This isn't just me being a conspiracy theorist. One of my really good friends, shout out Maureen, she was Catholic, and she memorized the Catechism Ten Commandments in school. She comes from Uganda, and that's what you do as a Ugandan Catholic. You memorize the Ten Commandments, and I think that everyone should memorize the Ten Commandments. I remember the Ten Commandments from the Bible. She memorized the Ten Commandments, and when she read the Bible for the first time uh, as an adult, she was like, this is different to how I remember it uh, <laughs> because the Catholic Church deleted the second commandment, which is all to do with idolatry because a huge part of Catholic worship is, you know, praying to saints and you know having icons and idols uh, simultaneously, the change to the fourth commandment as well. So, yeah, there's, there's lots of different things uh, that we can see there. But then we come to this period of time 
1,260 days. And it's like, well, has the Catholic Church? Or let me say this, the papacy. I just want to qualify what I'm saying really quick. I'm not saying that every Catholic is evil or lost. Right. In fact, I think that there will be more Catholics in heaven than any other denomination. You know why that is? There's more Catholics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's just more Catholics. Yeah, and I think yeah. that many people within the Catholic tradition are earnestly living up to the light that they God, that, yeah. that, that they, they've been given. Does that mean that the papacy is doing the right thing? And I would say absolutely not. And we can look at this in many other denominations or, or beliefs. Uh, and we'll, we might talk about this when we get back. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You are listening to the breakfast show this morning. I was just heating my dogs up. <laughs> my little, my little bare exposed feet. I'm in here. I don't understand how you can leave the house on a morning like this with just a pair of sandals with no socks. At least be German and put some socks. Okay, under your okay, sandals. wait, wait. You can't believe how it's called. A time rush, okay? <laughs> it's called, I need to leave right now. And are socks more important to me than leaving it's at this even time? Even if you grab the socks in your hand and then leave with them, like shove them in your backpack or something or your, your pocket and then put them on when you get here. That is so smart. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a youngin. Hey, you're listening to the Breakfast Show. Hey, what's it like where you're living? Let us know. 0491064669. Are you feeling the winter chill or are you still getting hot weather? It's just getting colder and colder by the morning and by night as well. I think it was, dude, Saturday here was freezing. Like I was at church and it was cold as cold could be. But how was it up in the up in the mountains where you were staying, Shell? Was it cold? The highs of eleven. Oh, that's incredible! Oh, wow. So, so you're yeah. really chilling. So the the second night was much warmer than the first, but the first night we had a very very thick frost. Very oh, thick. true. Which mountains were you in? We had to have the little babies sleeping with all of the adults because it was just too Aww. too cold. It was so that's cold. <laughs> I have a friend um, from Massachusetts that I was texting over, over, you know, over Instagram, and I was telling him that it's freezing here. It hit 10C last night. No, oh, it hit like it's way colder than 10C. It's like hitting almost one or zero. But then I'm like, oh yeah, and then it's hitting like a max of like 14, 15 during the day. And they're like, oh, that's t-shirt weather. <laughs> like, like, That'd be my brother right now. He'd be like, y'all are weak. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, Americans is crazy. But hey, oh, we have a final quiz. Yes. Quiz number five in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 46. A man sold all he had in order to buy what object? Oh, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you know the answer to that one, oh, well, text. Text, text only. Text. text us. In Matthew thirteen forty six. a man sold all he had in order to buy what object? An object that I myself am quite partial to. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 0491-064-669. Brayden texts in beautiful, sunny, and 14 degrees where I am now. From what I understand, Brayden's up in Queensland, and it's really that cold there. That's crazy. Is, oh, of course. Uh, in first second, I was like, isn't he in New Zealand? But no, no, no he's just a fan of he's New ju- Zealand. He's just a New Zealander. Yeah. We, yeah. Brayden, we know where you live. No, I've met, Bray- I've met Brayden <laughs> Is that before. A threat? I've met Brayden before, so that's where I, how I know where he lives. But I know that he lives, like, on the Gold Coast. Like, Ooh, yummy. Okay, that's... 
14 degrees right now? What, what, what happened? Did they switch off the gold there? Like, <laughs> man, you need to replace the name. Call it the Silver Coast, I guess. Hey, you're listening to The <laughs> Breakfast Show. And, oh, we're continuing our Bible study. Hey, I'll get another text message in just from uh, what we were talking about in our Bible study regarding, you know, we're talking about the papacy here and changes to the Ten Commandments. Can confirm I saw, this is from Hannah, she writes, can confirm I saw the alternate Ten Commandments framed on my grandparents' wall when I was 14, and I told grandma they weren't right. Went to Exodus 20 in her New King James Bible, and she replied, I'll be blurred. Dave, we've got the wrong commandments. <laughs> P.S. Great discussion this morning and fully agree with all you've shared. I also see the mark of the beast or antichrist playing out as being uh, when we try to live rightly in obedience with God without having a relationship with him. Mm. It's like Cain, um, I can do it myself versus Abel, I trust in what oh, God, God does. does. And this is what we discussed last week, the mm-hmm. difference between idolatry versus true worship. True worship is obedience to God who is external from us, but having a relational connection with us. Um, and again, idolatry is serving something that's outside of us for our own gains and purposes. Now, we've been talking about a mark of the beast, and we're going to get more into defining a bit more of the mark of the beast. I love this text message. Thank you so much, Hannah. So we're, we're talking about here this, this perspective on, okay, well, we have this power, and now looking at all of the different characteristics, we have this time period, 1,260 days. Now, there's a few examples that we can give in regards to, to give us more perspective on what actually this time period represents. Is it three and a half years or is it more than that? Before we get into it, I got a nice, another text message here from Wayne. He says, good morning, small question. If there is going to be many Catholics saved and they are saved where they are, why does God call them um, out of her, my people. So, you know, as we've been looking at, when we look at the book of Revelation, it says, come out of Babylon, you know, come out mm-hmm. of false worship. If we're saying that that is the system um, of the papacy and that Catholics are participating in that system, well, then why does it call them out? It continues on. It says, why do we have to wait um, so long for the second coming? Just my thought on the go. Blessings. That is a fantastic question, Wayne. And I could say that the answer to that simply is that God obviously, from from my point of view, and I think from what the Bible shares, that there is one God, there is one truth, there is one Christ, there is one baptism, uh, and God would love for people to adhere to those things. Because when you adhere optimally to, to God's truth, you have the best life, and you can have the best experience with God. Now, I I just want to caveat that by saying um, that potentially you might know all the right information about God but still not have a good experience with him based on the fact that you're not engaging with God. So, So you might not truly engage with God, just like I could know that Monica is a wonderful, amazing, awesome person, but then treat her really terribly. Is that an indictment on, you know, Monica being that kind of person? No, it's an indictment on myself. Um, I could believe that gravity is true, yet all of a sudden go, you know what, I'm not going to adhere to the laws of gravity and throw myself off a bridge. Does that mean that gravity is any less true? And the answer is no. There is one truth that God has, 
And we, as human beings living in this sinful and broken world, have been journeying with God over periods of time, and he has been leading us into that truth. Now, I think Catholicism is a version of Christianity which has, from from my perspective particularly, um, small portions of truth which la- with large portions of error. But that being said, Catholics living up to that truth will be saved because they are endeavoring to live up to the light that they know and have a relationship with Jesus that includes repentance and following him despite the influences of bad theology and bad thoughts. Now, the question here is, then why um, does God call them out? And why um, is God trying to you know, share with them that truth if they can be saved in the state that they're in? And that is because of the end time. We, what we see taking place in the end time is that the final move of Satan is to get all of those that are a part of these institutions. And it's not just Catholicism as well. And we're going to talk about this as we journey through this week. It's not just Catholicism, but everyone who is a part of an institution that is leading to error, Satan's final act is to coerce them to worship Satan and to worship self rather than worship God. And then simultaneously to reject those and persecute those who are truly worshiping God. We aren't seeing that persecution happen in its full scale yet. We see persecution happening right around the world for various different reasons, but we're not seeing that full scale of persecution yet. So because of that, um, we, you know, can live in a situation and a circumstance in which God is saving people regardless of what faith they're in, if they're willing to humbly submit to him and live up to the truth that they know. But when the truth that they that they know becomes blatantly disregard God mm-hmm. and worship Satan and worship self instead, this is why God is calling them out. Because it's like, okay, this is guys, this is your final moments. Come out of her, my people. You can't stay in her any longer. Come to the whole knowledge of the truth. And this is the message that God's people have to share with the end time. This is the essence of the three angels' message. Oh, there's so much we could say. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We've just come to the time where we give you answers. Just throwing them out left and right. Uh Okay, quiz answers. Where was Saul traveling to when he had a divine encounter and was converted? It was Damascus. He was on his way to kill more Christians when the Holy Spirit changed his life. Is that also when he got changed from Saul to Paul? No, that came later. later. Yeah. But this is where he went blind, right? He, he had the scales. He went blind, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Such a cool story, that. Yeah. Uh, who said, I know that my Redeemer lives? It was Job. What happened in Gilgal? It was D, all of the above. The Israelites celebrated Passover. They stopped eating manna and they were circumcised. Um, what condition did God give Moses before he could approach the burning bush? It was to take off his sandals. Uh, apparently at that moment, the spot where the burning bush was considered sacred and Moses had to remove his sandals to go close. Ooh. Well, not apparently, definitely. Definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in Matthew thirteen forty six, a man sold all he had in order to buy a pearl. A pearl. A pearl. I've just, I've never owned jewelry in my life. The closest thing I've ever owned to jewelry is my Apple watch. No, I don't have an Apple. <laughs> I have a Samsung watch and it's like functional. So it's, it's not jewelry, but you said you're partial to pearls. What do you like? The I colors? Think, yeah. The, 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 the sort of iridescent glowing white round. It's just pretty. Yeah. I think it's pretty. pretty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it's pretty. And I also just like 
the whole like where they come from like they come out of like a gooey looking ugly disgusting crusty clam and then inside is this beautiful gorgeous little treasure almost i like Amen. yeah i like that it's awesome that the bible talks so much about pearls but says nothing about eating oysters in yeah, fact it tells us yeah, not to, to eat, so we can yeah. see the clear and obvious pers- purpose <laughs> for oysters is, um, <laughs> to make pearls is for to us. make pearls absolutely and I, and I love i actually love the story in matthew 13 of the guy who finds the pearl of great price as he's plowing um, a field he doesn't own yeah and uh and then he decides he's going to sell everything and buy the field so he can have the pearl. It's such a good story. That's Love awesome. It. I can just see it happening, like someone finding treasure in real life and then, yeah. So Absolutely. Cool. Hey, I just wanted to quickly give some some final thoughts on our Bible study. We're talking about this period of uh, 1,260 days and is this an appropriate ruling period of a period of rulership for a power that has existed since 470 or well, the, the, I think Catholicism was kind of really instituted in the third, fourth century. Um, but then, you know, you have its like official institution around 538 where it received an army and it became its own political power um, as you know, by decree of Justinian. Is it appropriate for it to have a three and a half year ruling period if it's been a power since 538 AD all the way up until now? And the answer is, is probably not. Uh, we're mm. going to be exploring that more tomorrow. But just some perspective when it's talking about this prophetic time period of 1,260 days. Uh, most Bible scholars look, when the Bible says uh, that there is a, a day, most Bible scholars, uh, like particularly prophetic Bible scholars, will say that a day equals a year. And the reason for that is a number of scriptural examples that the Bible gives. My personal favor is from the book of Numbers, where in the book of Numbers, in chapter 14 and verse 34, uh, the spies go into the promised land. There's 10 spies. They go into the promised land and scope out the land for 40 days and come back. And then the people the people ultimately decide to not go in. As a result of not going in, uh, these Israelites, they don't go into the promised land. As a result of that, they are then told that they need to wait in the wilderness for 40 years. So for a 40-day type or action, they are given a 40-year anti-type or consequence. And then we see in Bible prophecy, because there's a number of different dates and years given, you know, 1,260, 1,290, um, uh, 1,335, uh, 2,300, these periods of days. And it's like, wow, that's that's like, you know, these specifically long, strange periods of time. But when we consider the biblical precedent that's given about prophetic time or symbolic time, it's that a day equals a year. So if we apply that to the Bible study that we were doing and we identified, okay, the papacy is this power that will stand against God, uh, at the end of time and, and throughout history, it has a ruling period of 1,260 years. And we'll be looking at tomorrow, well, how does that play out and how does it end? You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we are quickly coming to the end. Yes, at the end of the show, not the end of um, the world. Oh, well, both, right? <laughs> well, well do, you, do you know what? True. Both. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got some really cool giveaways happening at the moment on Faith of M. Across uh, all shows uh, on Faith of M, actually, we are running a giveaway on our website where listeners can win Faith of M merchandise, Faith of M jackets, Faith of M hats, Faith of M mugs, etc. Uh, so all you're going to do is engage with us. So head to faithfm.com.au and you can check out on the right-hand side of the screen, uh, there is a um, 
a list of 16 different things that you can do to get entries in. The more you do, the better your chances at winning merchandise. There's all kinds of things. You can like um, uh, follow the links to the Faith FM Instagram page or the Faith FM uh, Facebook and um, interact with the pages there. You can send us an email and tell us what you like about Faith FM or you can enter a secret code. So there's a few shows that have a a secret code that correlates with the show. And if you click on the show and enter the secret code, you can get uh, an entry in to win this merchandise. The breakfast show's code is this, Wheatbix, (laughs) W-E-E-T-B-I-X. So if you click on breakfast show, enter the Wheatbix as your secret code when it prompts you to, you can get in to uh, uh, win that merch. And there's other stuff, you know, sign up for the newsletter, download the Faith FM app. There's many different ways. Jump on it, get yourself some Faith FM merch, get out there, let people know there's a better alternative to listen to in their day. Absolutely. And hey, I hope you guys have an amazing day. I have an exam at two. Oh, I'll be praying for you. We're going to film a little bit of an interview before I leave here. And then I'm jumping in my car and I'm driving down to the library. I'm going to sit in there and get ready. I'm going to live faith. I'm going to talk faith. I'm going to act faith. I'm going to live my best life in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.